Welcome back to the Outreach Project. This is Josh. This is Zach. We are joined today with Jake Johnson. Hello. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you excited to be here? Oh, Nervous? yeah. Yeah. I've been waiting for this moment for the last two months. Yeah, we've been in talks, me. and yeah. you just decided to get married and yeah. go on some just, trips. Yeah, I had a lot of things going on. Congrats. So. That's, Thanks. No, awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Um, I think it would be kind of a cool story um, to share, like, how we know each other, like, how we first got to know each other, you know? Like the first, first time? If you want, yeah. Or like the time at the pool, at the aquatic center? Well, that's like when we... That is, I that think, era. the first yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do we know each other? Yeah, so I was working at the uh, great old uh, aquatic center. Great place. It's a great place. And we were doing a, a high school party there for, I think it was First Church and Campus Life, and maybe like one other youth group or something. And uh, a bunch of students there. And then uh, there was a student that I heard about that was uh, holding himself in one of the water slides while people were trying to go down, which is an absolute no. <laughs> When you are an aquatics director and trying to keep people safe. And uh, so that's how I met Josh. Um, I had to tell him if he kept doing that, I was going to have to kick him out of the, the youth group party. So. And then he hired me. And then, and then I hired him. <laughs> <laughs> A great interview. <laughs> no, so I'll shout him out. Andre Jordan and I were like, hey, we're going to do a slow race down the slide. <laughs> and I wasn't losing, man. Let me tell you. But we were, I was like... Probably a freshman. He was like an eighth grader, and yeah, that's that's when we met. Then yeah. I applied to be a lifeguard, and you hired me. Still, and I hired for, you. Still, well, not sure if that was the right decision, but probably not. We had a lot of fun. We did. Yeah, that was a good time. Did you keep was, people safe. Yeah, yeah, I never mission accomplished. Yeah, a lot of people when they say like, "Were you a good lifeguard?" I'm like, "Yeah, of course." They're like, did you have to save anyone? Well, I was like, "Well." Kind of the point of lifeguarding is being proactive to where yeah. you don't have yeah. to save. And they're like, oh, so you were lazy. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's not how that works. <laughs> Sorry, no one drowned in front yeah. of me. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. There's that. Um, yeah, so you were the high school, not high school. You were the aquatics director for a while. What do you do now? Yeah, so I was the aquatics director. I also worked for Campus Life at that time. Um, and then I transitioned. I actually took a summer off from working. I traveled around. Uh, I slept in the back of my car, ate PB&J, uh, and I just traveled around and hiked and explored. And then I came on staff here at the center uh, about two years ago. Um, and so I worked for the, I started a new high school program for the center, kind of combining with and partnering with Campus Life. Yeah. Um, kind of oversaw or was overseeing the high school programs. And then recently I just transitioned into our community engagement director and donor relations role um, here at the center. So yeah. that's a bit of a switch. Yeah. What's the, switch. what's the biggest challenge switching from, you know, working with students every day to working with donors? Yeah, I think the I think the hardest thing is helping people see that you don't just care about getting their money. <laughs> like you care about them and the community and mm -hmm. the students and obviously we need resources to be able to do ministry, but I think it's helping people see that I care about them and a relationship with them and like what's going on in their own personal life versus just getting their money, even though that's like a part of what we do as well. It's just invite people in to partner with us if uh, that's something they want to be a part of. So I think that's the hardest challenge uh, with students. I don't know. I just found it to be kind of easy to 
you're hanging out with students, you're mm-hmm. building relationships with them, just kind of being present and showing up for them. It's really kind of similar. It's just a different audience that you're working with. Uh, you're talking now about how are your kids doing? How's your family doing? Um, what are things going on with work? Um, what are challenges that you're facing? So yeah, just kind of utilizing that as a ministry. So it's kind of similar. It's just a different audience really. Yeah. Um, different maturity. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So we're in the center, everyone that's not watching. Um, can you tell us a bit what the center is, what the mission is and whatnot? Yeah. Yeah. So the center, we have a lot of different programs. Uh, our thing is we're never going to be married to like a specific program because the reality is that the world's always changing. Like the culture is always changing for students. Their needs are changing. And so a lot of different programs. Um, what we do is a holistic ministry approach. Um, when students have needs as far as like maybe they don't have someone leading them and guiding them um, in life. So we have positive adults that step in. Um, we have life coaching. So we do a lot of, um, one-on-ones with students. We have a life coach that goes into the school during the school day, um, and sets goals with them. And that could be anything across the board from maybe they're struggling with a relationship with their mom. So your goal this week is to have a conversation with your mom about that. It could be, you're struggling in this class. So you take, uh, your goal is to complete these three assignments. Mm -hmm. It's all just situational. Um, but really just trying to meet students where they're at, providing needs for students um, through different programs. And then through that, hopefully, they're experiencing Jesus in some way. Um, and like all of our programs are different and they're targeted for different students or different needs. And so it all just depends on the program. But at the heart of it, we always use the analogy of um, like train tracks. So like students are jumping on at a lot of different places because they come from different backgrounds, different struggles, different situations. Um, They're jumping on at different places. And our goal is to help them in life as long as they'll let us. And through that, again, hopefully they're experiencing Jesus along the way because that's just a natural part of who we are um, as a staff here. So, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys recently have a new program where like students learn about god during the day yeah 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 so lifewise academy yeah 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 so lifewise academy is technically its own thing that started in ohio but because we really saw the value in it and what it was we wanted to bring it to whitley county and so basically we partner with lifewise academy but we've helped fund it initially so that way it could start here so we started last year at northern heights Uh, Basically, there's three things um, that have to happen for students to be eligible for religious education during the school day. Um, So this is like a like a law, um, a bylaw, I guess. Um, And so students, uh, their parents have to voluntarily sign them up. It has to be off school grounds and it has to be privately funded. And so students get out of a class period. They go to an off-site location that's within a certain amount of driving distance, and mm-hmm. they learn about the Bible. And so that's for elementary students. Uh, we started in Northern Heights in two grades last year. Uh, now we're first through fifth grade there, and I believe it's fourth and fifth grade now that we started at Kawesi. 
Um, and so, yeah, uh, they just get out of class. They have a curriculum through the Bible project. We have Bible teachers that teach them the Bible and they're going through like an actual plan over the course of those five years. Or if they're in fifth grade, obviously they don't get all five years, but yeah. the goal is for first through fifth grade, you're going to have a, a Bible plan that you're going through and learning about the Bible. Is so, that here? They drive to the center? So it all depends on the school. So Big Lake Church of God, uh, they have like a parsonage that they kind of remodeled um, that they take them to for mm-hmm. that one. I actually don't know where they meet um, for Kowesi right now, but it's an offsite location that's a close enough driving distance that they don't have to utilize a lot of the time driving. That way they can get them there quickly and have a lot of time with mm-hmm. them. Um, Who drives? And get them back to school. Uh, we have different people that just volunteer to drive. Um mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's no driving rules or anything? Like, uh, I mean, they have to go through, like, background checks, and it just depends on the vehicle they use, too. Okay. Um, I mean, yeah, they might have to have a CDL, depending on what it is. Um, but, yeah, all of, our, all of our people go through all of, like, the, the background checks or whatever it is that they have to to be able to drive kids. Good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a healthy thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We support background checks. Yeah. <laughs> What are some other ministries you guys got going on right now? Yeah, so we have um, iLead. So iLead is students who get out of, the, out of school for a day once a month. Um, and so that's a leadership development program. It's all led by the students. Um, the students create basically service projects that they want to do in the community and give back to the community. So last year we did a Christmas party at a nursing home we did we went into northern heights one day and we helped the teachers with whatever activities they were doing gym class reading books to students all those kinds of things but the students lead all of it so i show up i facilitate it it might be moments where it's like this student says something uh, across the table to someone else and they don't like like they maybe they responded in a way that wasn't good to their idea and then the student, then the easy thing, right? So I stop and it's like the easy thing to do is to go talk about this with everyone else behind their back. The hard thing to do is to confront that and talk to them to their face and just say like lovingly, hey, this is something that you said or a way that you said it that really didn't feel good to me. Then you get to respond in a certain way back to that. And so it's like life skills in the workplace like that's a natural thing as a human is to go talk about other people but that's also hurtful to the team and like that's something i've struggled with in my own life at times when someone like something you you don't like something that someone does it's easy to go talk to other people but how do you confront that in a loving way Um, and so it's things that i've learned in my own life that i still have to grow in and learn where I'm trying to help facilitate like healthy conversations around those things. So we're trying to lead, lead or build leaders um, through the iLead program. And again, they, they do it all. They do a budget for each project that they do. They turn in the receipts. They plan food for the day, team building activities. It's all led by the students. What, so, what age is that? Uh, right now it's just high school. We've talked about implementing middle school with that as well. But for now it's just high school yeah. um, that we're doing. So we, we have iLead. We have an after-school central program, uh, which is like homework help. Uh, They have option times where they do different activities, whether it's a craft, uh, a gym activity where they're doing like um, just getting physical activity. Uh, They get free time where they can play video games or read or hang out in the gym, whatever it is. We have a game room. Um, So, yeah, that's like a, a program where... 
we're just trying to help kids that come from a lot of times pretty challenging situations where they might not have a lot of help and guidance. Uh, and then we run a, a high school program on Monday nights uh, called Ground Zero, which we partner with Campus Life for. Uh, and that's uh, like students know when they show up, like it's a faith program. Like that's what we're doing. We're trying to create spaces where students can doubt, where they can question, uh, but where they can also experience truth um, and what, uh, I don't know, who God is. Just trying to invitationally invite people into the gospel and, um, I don't know, help them to, to see it maybe in a different way than they have before. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. Uh, one of the coolest things I think that we do is we partner with Teen Court. So I don't know if you're familiar with Teen Court at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, so students get in trouble. Instead of going to probation or adult court, they go to teen court. And so students choose what they do uh, for their sentence and for their, um, yeah, for whatever they get in trouble for. So those students come to us now with the Whitley County Teen Court. They send us their students. Uh, they come to our program for six to ten weeks, depending on what they got in trouble for. And then they meet with a mentor uh, for six to ten weeks as well, one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, and so we've seen a lot of positive things come from that. Uh, we've had three students who have accepted Christ through teen court, just like partnering with us. And, um, yeah, I think that's a really cool part of what we do as well. Just yeah. partnering and collaborating with the community where it makes sense. Um, and partnering alongside people to, again, reach students and impact them mm -hmm. in positive ways. You said a few of the things you guys do as partner with campus life mm -hmm. on a few things. What kind of goes into a partnership with campus life because they're a different organization and yeah yeah i think it's at the the heartbeat we're still trying to accomplish the same thing and so at times there might be different even like methods that we might use for ministry but at the end of the day i think both campus life and the center just wants to reach students and at the end of the day like help them experience jesus and give them opportunities to follow him and um, so it, it can be challenging at times because you have two, like maybe campus life has a curriculum that they want to do. And like maybe whoever's leading the high school program has a way they want to do it, but it's coming together and meeting on a regular basis to make sure that you're on the same page that, um, like making sure that you're bringing unity to the team because you have campus life volunteers coming. You also have center volunteers coming. And so bringing those leaders together and trying to be like unified together, be in harmony with the spirit and like what the Holy Spirit wants to do with our program. Cause at the end of the day, like it's God's ministry, right? It's not about what Jake wants to do or what um, campus life wants to do or whoever it is. It's about what God wants to do through us. And so I think it's making sure that we're spending time with Jesus, like seeking him out, seeking wisdom out and what um, God's calling us to do and then coming together and trying to be in harmony with that. And mm -hmm. I don't know, I think it's been a really cool partnership um, for sure. But yeah, just any ways that we can collaborate with people yeah. and come together is, and people see unity. Is that kind of because maybe you need more hands on deck and more support or even financially? Uh, not necessarily. I think a lot of it is like, to me, it makes like, since we are both trying to accomplish similar things, it really doesn't make sense for us to do two separate programs, right? Fair. Because there's more momentum behind it. You have more students coming where, um, like, so the campus life director is Bailey Glass. She's awesome. She's constantly going to the schools, doing a lot of different things with students outside of programming. 
she reaches a whole different group than what I reach or our other ministry leaders reach. And so collectively, we're bringing more students to the table. There's, other, um, there's a lot of students that invite their friends, so that's a big thing as well. And so I just think it's a, a really cool, um, like again, it doesn't make sense for us to do something separate, but coming together cohesively to mm-hmm. accomplish the same goal and, and students seeing unity in that, I think is really important um, in our community. Because again, it's like, Bailey could go do her own thing and I could go do my own thing or the center could, but does that really make sense when we could just do it together with, again, it is helpful to have more than five leaders when you can bring two sets of leaders together, when you can have a female leader and a male leader to pour into female leaders and male leaders or female students and male students. It's just really helpful. And so there is an aspect of that that it does make like there's more hands on deck, but I think it's just, it makes sense to do it together when we're trying to accomplish the same thing. Cool. Let's, let's rewind. You've seen a few of these kind of start growing up and how you got to where you are now. What did growing up look like for you? Yeah, so I grew up in a, a pretty solid Christian home. Uh, my parents were really heavily involved in the church. My mom's always been a church secretary or an administrative person in the church. Uh, And so the church I went to uh, was really good um, when I was younger. I didn't really follow Jesus. I just did what my parents told me to do. I showed up to church. Uh, I was a part of church. I was a part of the things I was supposed to. I knew all the right answers because I grew up in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was homeschooled. Literally, I, I grew up in the church when my mom was working. That's where we did our school. Um, is in the church. So, uh, but I didn't really follow Jesus. I didn't really have a relationship with Jesus. I just went and did what I was supposed to do. And again, I knew a lot of the stuff because I was around it. But uh, around my eighth grade year, my parents decided to start a church plant. Um, And so it was a really interesting um, just time, I guess, of like my mom was still working at the church they were at before. And then they went to a different one. And, and through that, there were some things that happened that was a little divisive as far as like my parents were going to start a church and there were people that were uh, like accusing them of stealing people from the church to like help them uh, plant the church. And there were people that made up some things that weren't really true. And so it led to the church actually like hurting our family and asking my parents to leave. Um, And so through that, as an eighth grader at a place in my life where it's like, I'm not following Jesus already, like these are the people that are supposed to be like a representation of who God is. If they're going to treat my family like this, like I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want to be a part of it. What what Um, church? Kidding. uh, Kidding. Don't answer. Yeah. 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 I'm not going to answer that. Uh, (laughs) The church has great people, right? But the reality is humans are broken. And sorry, you grew up in Columbia City? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Your whole family? Yep. Okay. Yep. My dad's actually from Indy area, but my mom grew up in Columbia City. Okay. Yep. But yeah, I lived here my whole life. Um, but yeah, again, like, it's just the brokenness of people, right? That's the reality. Um, and so, uh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, going into that, that was a really hard time for me. And then my brother, so my brother, uh, he's a legend. Everyone calls him Johnny Rocket. Uh, he's a legend, but he, when he was born, he died and lost oxygen to his brain. So it's called birth asphyxia. Uh, and so he had some myocognitive disabilities because of that. And so we used to share a room together. And so another thing that happened was he used to get picked on pretty bad at youth group. 
And I used to listen to him at home at night cry because he got picked on so bad at the at the church, the right? The church. same place, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so for me, again, it's like these people who are supposed to be a representation of who God is. Again, people are broken, right? Um, but as an eighth grader, that was really hard for me to understand, and I didn't want anything to do with the church. Um, again, I went because I was supposed to, and my parents made me, um, but. I didn't really want anything to do with it. And it wasn't until my junior year, so I guess in between, like sports became something that was really important to me. Um, I excelled at sports at a younger age. Uh, and then going into high school, because I was huge when I was in like fifth, sixth grade, I, I had a huge growth spurt early on, and then I stopped growing. So I excelled at sports at a younger age. And then going into high school, it's like now everyone's way taller than me. Mm -hmm. And so like going from being the best player in most things to like now you're not the best player, like that was really hard and really humbling. Um, and so there was just some things like that's where I found my identity. And so I didn't really know who I was going into high school. I didn't want to follow Jesus. so I wasn't finding my identity in Jesus. And then I also didn't have sports anymore, which is where I found my identity before. And so there wasn't really a whole lot of me knowing who I was. And through that, I just I started hanging out with people that weren't making a lot of great decisions. And I just kind of went along with it. Not to a horrible extent, I wouldn't say. Um, but yeah, just making decisions that didn't really represent God at all. But again, I didn't have a reason to because I wasn't following Jesus. And you were still homeschooled at this point? Uh, so I had gone to public school in seventh grade. Okay. Yep, my parents let me go to school in seventh grade. Um, my brothers were all homeschooled basically all the way through. Um, really? Yeah. Yep. You were the only one that went to public yeah. school? But it's because I asked a lot. Okay. I wanted to go to public school. Okay. Um, Why did you want to? Uh, I was just really social. I like people. I like to talk to people. Yeah. Um, and so I think that was a big, big part of it. Um, I liked being connected to friends. Which makes sense. Yeah. Um, and like, not that my brothers weren't, like they still had their youth group and sports and everything, mm -hmm. but... It was just a different, it's a different thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, went to public school, but then again, finding my identity in a lot of other things. Uh, and so going into my junior or yeah, I'm trying to think there's so many details. This could be forever, but um, going into my senior year, there was some stuff that happened with sports again, where I was just not, like, not sure who I was um, and trying to find my identity. And one of my friends passed away in a jet ski accident. Um, which was wild. And that was a really hard time of just like a lot of people, because I went to church, a lot of my friends who didn't go to church knew that I went to church. And so I got a lot of questions about God and heaven oh. and hell and all these different things when my friend passed away. And it's like, I knew all the right answers, but I wasn't really following Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so I could like tell people all the different things, but I wasn't really living it for myself. Um, and so that's, that was like, I think, a, an initial point of like God, like pursuing me, like my mind started to process like what was happening, um, with that and like who I was, um, and where like, again, heaven and hell, right? Like I knew what it meant, but I didn't really believe in it a lot and I wasn't following Jesus. And so I didn't really have like a reason again to like, I don't know, it was just a hard time of processing. That's really what it was my mind was constantly processing mm -hmm. everything. Uh, and so my, I was making a lot of bad decisions. There was a day where my uncle 
drove back from Chicago three and a half hours to meet with me over breakfast. And he sat down with me and he told me that he loved me and that God loved me and that the, what I was doing wasn't what he wanted for me and it wasn't what God wanted for me either. Super interesting. It was right after I got in trouble actually for sneaking out. That's a wild story. Um, we need to hear it. It's a little long, but I can tell we it. We need to hear <laughs> we that. Got time. All right. Come on. All right, all right, all right, all right. So, so I'm. And you're uh, not proud of this. We're I'm not, not proud. Yes, of it. but no, it's, no, no. it's going to be funny. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I'm so. not proud of it. Um, yeah. So I was a sophomore in high school, um, and I'm not. I'm not going to say any names. Any names. Okay. Uh, so as a sophomore in high school. Uh, I, again, wasn't following Jesus. And so I was dating a girl at the time. And again, like my life was not, (laughs) I was not making good decisions. And so one night I decided I was going to sneak out um, and go to this person's house in the middle of the night. The the girl you're dating? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's a horrible idea. Yeah, it's a terrible idea. (laughs) It's, it was so stupid. Uh, And so there was a couple of times that it had happened actually, but this time (laughs) specifically, I couldn't drive at the time, so I had one of my friends drive me. And so, so your friend had to sneak so out. So my friend, so, so yeah, I'm literally bringing everyone into my like rebellion. <laughs> a lot of and moving like, parts. Oh, it was horrible. A lot of moving parts. And so I, yeah, I asked him to take me. So he takes me, he drops me off. Uh, and so then my friend gets picked up for being out past curfew by the cops, and they send him home. So not picked up, but like they catch him yeah. and they're like, hey, you need to go home. And so they send him home. He calls me and tells me, I'm like, dude, you're just joking. There's no way. I didn't even know that was like really implemented. By the it cops. was back then. I don't know if it still is, but back then it was like just happening. It was pretty new. So they were pretty like on oh. top of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so he goes home. And so it's like three, four in the morning. I have no ride home. No ride home. And so... I text and call everyone in my phone, like trying to get a ride from somebody and nobody answers because it's three or four in the morning. Normal people are sleeping. <laughs> and at that point, video games weren't as big. So it's like, you don't got the sweaties up playing. Super <laughs> so so uh, it's like three or four in the morning, texting all these people. So I, I texted or I called uh, my seventh grade basketball coach because I'm like, he'll take me home and not tell my parents. Yeah, right. Yeah, so I call him. I have this, like, of all things, I have this massive, like, brick phone. It's like an old, like, palm trio something that, like, slid, but it it would just die and not tell you, like, when it was going to die. It was awful. So I'm in the middle of a conversation with him. I've not told him where I'm at or anything. I just tell him I did something really stupid. I need a ride. So my phone dies before I tell him where I'm at. So I don't know this. He's already called my parents. Like, I think something, I think Jake's in trouble. Yeah. I don't know what happened. His, like, he, whatever. So he tells my parents. My parents are out looking for me. I have no idea my parents are out looking for me. So I have no other option but to run home. And so these people's house is, like, north of town. My parents' house is south of town. It's like eight miles. I have, I'm a sprinter, not, not a distance runner, but I have no other option. So I start running right through town. I don't know how people didn't find me. It's like four in the morning. I had like in my head, I'm going to tell people I'm like out running for like football. 
uh, if I get picked up by the cops or something. I don't know. At 4 a.m.? Like, yeah, 4 a.m. I don't know. I have all these. I, I'm, a, I'm a stupid sophomore in high school. Like, I don't know. And so I'm running home. I run home. And uh, my dad would, like, tell us goodbye in the morning before he would leave. And so I'm like, I got to get home before my dad goes to work. And so I am hauling. Like, I'm pretty sure that I could have won some kind of record because I was running so fast to get <laughs> yeah. home. My adrenaline is like cooking. And so I come down my parents' road. So it's like Raber Road out by uh, Oak Grove Church of God. Yeah. And then you come up around the corner. And so my parents live around north the corner. Of town. I was north of town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm running and I see my dad's van come around the corner. And I'm like, oh no, this is not Did you good. hide? So I jump in the cornfield. <laughs> There's like corn. I jump in the cornfield. He drives by. So I get out of the cornfield and I'm running. And all of a sudden his car turns around and comes back the other way. So I jump back in the cornfield again. He goes past. At this point, I'm like, ah, they definitely know. Like, yeah. there's no doubt in my mind. I'm in trouble. And so I run back At home. least take the ride if you know you're in trouble. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I, had to, I had to think of something to do before I got to that conversation with my parents. So I run back home. I get up on the porch. I sit on this porch swing. And I'm sitting there thinking of, like, what am I going to tell them? Like, what is this going to be like? All of a sudden, I hear my mom just sobbing, crying, because she thinks that something's happened to me that's horrible. And so I'm like, I got to go inside. So I walk down the porch, the, the walk of shame and just fear. And I'm just like, oh, it was horrible. So I walk down. I'm about to open the door, but the door's locked. And so I was going to use the key, but I lost the key in the cornfield somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, my dad sees me and my dad, I j I'll never forget this. It is like ingrained there he is <laughs> and so he comes and opens the door he's like where have you been and so i have no idea what to say again i'm a stupid sophomore in high school my shirt is like hanging down to my chest because i'm sweating so bad and he says where have you been and i said i took a walk <laughs> that's that was my response at 4 a.m at 4 a.m i took a walk and i'm sweating i'm literally drenched in sweat and so then my parents were like no we already know like what happened like the person called us already. Um, the the coach called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because okay. he thought something happened yeah, to yeah. me, and so the next day I have to call her parents. Yeah. Oh, awful! It was an awful experience. I'm sure they weren't happy. Oh no, it was terrible. It was awful, and so <laughs> I had to go meet with her parents, my parents, and her. <laughs> awful. A ter I mean. <laughs> Well deserved because it was stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like it was a horrible experience and you gotta as own a sophomore up. in high school. And you got to own up. And so I'm sitting there, and again, like I'm not following Jesus, and I'm pretty far away from that. And in this conversation, her her dad asks, "Is it the first time that this has happened?" And I said, "No." She had already told him it was not the first time. Oh, okay. And it, I just lost, I felt like I lost all credibility in this, this man's life. <laughs> like, I just lied straight to his face. No, you, she said it wasn't. She's, she told him it was, was, it had happened more than one time. And you said And it, I said it didn't happen more than why? one time. Why? Because I didn't know she had told him already. <laughs> and I thought, oh, this will be a good idea. They'll think it was only once and it was just one stupid mistake. But actually, it was more than one time. And so, again, I was stupid. It was, but I lost, I literally to this day, it like bothers me at times. Like, because of who I am now compared to who I was then. That like, 
man, I just lied straight to this guy's face. Like it was horrible. And so had to do that. I had to serve at the homeless shelter in Fort Wayne. I was grounded from everything for three months. My phone, TV, friends after school, couldn't do anything. I had to go talk to every single person that my parents knew that I had texted or called on my phone to get them to help me and apologize to them in front of their parents. And explain why. And explain why. Oh, it was horrible. So all of your friends' parents hated you. They didn't hate me. I think most of them were like pretty okay. Like, okay, he just messed up. And honestly, like there, that was a, a time where I thought my parents were going to be super mad and I got consequences that I, I deserved, but my parents showed me more grace than I've ever experienced, like comparatively hmm. to what I thought it was going to be. And so again, like God was pursuing me. Like I, even though I did this really stupid thing that could have turned out even worse, like I just felt like I experienced grace in the process. Like my parents showed me a lot of grace. Um, and so that's why my uncle actually came to meet with me. Did you call him? No, he, he reached out to me. No, he reached out to me. Uh, and that's why he wanted to meet with me because I'd just gotten in trouble. And there yeah. was a lot of things happening that I was doing before that. And so that happened. Then uh, my friend passes away. Uh, oh, geez. Later. And so that was really challenging for me. And so... About probably a month after, um, it was a month after, I think, no, it was that fall after he had passed away in the summer that fall, I was at a Halloween party with some friends and my mom texted me and told me not to be home past curfew. And so I have two people I got to take home. I've got like a 40 minute drive, uh, between taking everyone home and getting to my house. And so I take off like speeding Mm -hmm. and, uh, there's like a, a curve sign and I'm so caught up in like, you're going to tick Mary Beth Johnson off. like Again. Yeah. Again, again. Like, and so my mom is amazing. Like she's awesome. But like at that point, it's like, if you get in trouble with your mom, that's a little terrifying. Mm-hmm. And so I'm speeding home, not really paying attention. Um, and so I come up and it's a little bit of a hill. It's a straight 90 degree, 90 degree turn to the right. And then there's a little bit of like a lip that goes over and then there's three trees and so i process all of this i'm going 75 80 miles an hour probably at that time i was going like 70 75 um, by the time i came up around the corner and so i process everything and i think the best thing is probably to hit the tree so i don't like flip my car Um, and so i take this tree head on i total my car completely um i no one's injured nothing's wrong with anyone i just had like seatbelt marks and like that was pretty much it um and so i had just started going though to a bible study with jim sittler uh, oh really recently because some people so another part of my story is i was hanging out with people and this also bothers me like i stopped hanging out with friends that i was friends with not because i didn't care about them or like love them but because I knew I wasn't strong enough to not make decisions that they were making that I didn't feel like was something I wanted for my life. Mm-hmm. And so it's nothing against them. Like, but I, I left those relationships without, it was unhealthy how I left those relationships. It was pretty unloving how I left them. And that bothers me to, at some points. Um, but I knew I couldn't be in those friendships and, and, and not make decisions that they were making that I didn't think I wanted to make. Mm -hmm. And so these other people ended up inviting me into FCA, Campus Life, Youth Group at First Church, 
Bible study with Jim Sittler. They invited me into all these different things, and I started seeing a different Jesus because they were genuinely following Jesus. And so comparatively to what my experience was in the past, I started seeing people who were genuinely following Jesus. Um, And not that other people weren't, but what I experienced of the other people was the broken side, like the brokenness completely, Mm -hmm. where this side was people who were showing me grace, who were inviting me in. Um, And so I go to this Bible study. And so when my car accident happened, I had just started going to this Bible study and I had my Bible sitting in the back seat of my car, like up in the window, the back window. And so the tow truck driver told my mom, you guys got to come check this out. So we go check it out. Uh, The seat had fallen forward. My Bible fell in the seat and then the seat closed on my Bible. So it's crazy. Uh, And so one page in the entire Bible. So think how many pages are in the Bible. One page is all crumbled up and the rest of it is totally fine. And the one page was Isaiah 49. And in there, it talks about like, it literally says the words to bring Jacob back to me. And so obviously that's not talking about me, but I felt like God was speaking to me. Mm -hmm. It talks about like in the shadow of his hand, he hid me. And so thinking about like this protection, he not only protected me physically that night, but he protected me spiritually because if I would have died in that car accident, the reality for me was that I wouldn't have gone to heaven because I didn't have a relationship with Jesus at that point. I hadn't repented. I hadn't turned in a different direction. I wasn't following Jesus at all. And so that like wrecked my life. Like God was pursuing me, right? In all of these different situations and I didn't deserve it. I don't know why he did. Like he pursued me through my uncle. He pursued me through the grace that I was shown when I messed up. He pursued me through a car accident um, and literally directly speaking to me. So there's all these different ways that God was pursuing me, um, despite the fact that I was actually walking in a different direction, distant from him, like he was pursuing me anyways. And so um, I had wrecked my car. I'm sitting in my my grandpa's truck that I was borrowing. Um, It was after Tyler had passed away, and I'm sitting at his grave, um, which is super interesting. But like I'm sitting at his grave and it's raining outside and I'm honestly like just pretty mad at God. Like, why did you let my friend pass away? Why are sports not going the way that I want them? Because that's where I was finding my identity. Why does everything feel like it's not like how I want it? Mm -hmm. Um, And the song came on the radio that's bring me joy, bring me peace, bring the chance to be free. Bring me anything that brings you glory. But I know there will be days when this life brings me pain. But if that's what it takes to praise you, Jesus, bring the rain. So it's like raining out. This is like an intimate moment I'm having with God. Like uh, bring the chance to be free, right? Jesus came into the world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world, right? Jesus came to save us from sin and bring the chance to be free, right? God had offered me the chance to be free, to be freed from my sin. Um, And even though my experience with people who were supposed to be representing God was negative. I associated that with that is who God is, but actually those people were being not a great representation of who God is. And so again, not that those people are don't are not good people, right? They're broken as well. But in their brokenness, that's who I associated with God is the brokenness of people, not the parts of of people when they're actually reflecting the image of who God is. And so in that moment, I decided I wanted to follow Jesus um, because of the grace that he showed me uh, throughout my life in a lot of different ways. Um, And again, even in the pain, because 
the world or the Bible tells us like in this world you will have troubles, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So even in the pain, even in the bad representation of the church that I experienced, didn't matter because God is the one that I have a relationship with, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not that like we have relationships with people too and those matter too. But again, my representation of God had been skewed from different things and I had associated it with things that weren't actually an image of who God was. And so then I decided I want to follow Jesus because he pursued me even when I didn't want it, even when I don't deserve it, right? He showed me grace and he showed me mercy. So, so yeah, that's why I decided to follow Jesus. He just, I feel like he continuously pursued me. Like and This was like <clears throat> senior year-ish? Yeah, this was my senior year. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I always use the story of the woman at the well. Like, it says he had to go to Samaria, right? But actually, people went around Samaria all the time because people didn't want to go to Samaria because Samaritans were outcasted. Mm-hmm. It says he had to go to Samaria. He had to go to Samaria because he had to meet the woman at the well because that's what God wanted. He wanted to meet the woman at the well. So that's what Jesus did, and I feel like that's what he did in my life. He could have went around, right, even though I was distant and going in a different direction. Instead, he had to show himself to me and through grace, right? Uh, he showed up, and I believe that he pursued me. And I think that's what he did with the woman at the well. And that's, like, my favorite story just because I feel like that's who God was in my mm-hmm. life. Yeah. From there, you went to Huntington? Yeah, I went to Huntington University, decided not to. I had a couple of scholarship offers for football, um, but decided to just go. I mean, that's a crazy story, too. Showed up on campus at Huntington, visited because the girl I was dating at the time. Was it uh, the same girl? No, different girl. No. I wonder no. why. That was cut off. That was cut <laughs> off. Rightfully so. Rightfully so, that yeah, was cut off. Fair. Um, so went to Huntington, visited with the girl I was dating at the time. Um, I really liked it. I kind of wanted to go there, but I was like, why would I go here if I can get scholarship money for sports? And so met with someone on campus that my mom knew um, from growing up, and he made a phone call, and he said... Someone who was supposed to come to Huntington uh, had a scholarship and they turned it down this morning and the person who was giving the scholarship said that we could give it to you if you decide to come here. Uh, So I felt like that was God, like, I want you to go to Huntington. Just completely opened the door. Uh, I studied ministry for the first three years. I kind of switched majors a few different times. um, And then I ended up switching to sports and rec management. Um, by my senior year, and that's what I graduated with. That's so yeah, Huntington. Yeah. Well, There's a big was, difference. Yeah, it was, I studied sports and rec ministry and youth ministry, and so a lot of my classes overlapped from the sports and rec side. Okay. Um, but they wanted me to do prime, which is like a seven-month internship. You got to be 100 miles away. There's all these rules. But I was leading a youth group right out of high school. I don't know why they hired me. <laughs> uh, but I was leading a youth group and kind of trying to build it, and I felt like that's where God wanted me. And so I didn't, I didn't feel like I could leave that. And that's why I switched, ma- switched majors, actually, because yeah. I didn't have to do prime through sports and rec management. Huh. And so I still just kept doing the youth group thing. And yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And from there, you worked at the pool, campus life. Yeah, I worked at Huntington in admissions oh. for a while, which was crazy. Um, I went to a church in Fort Wayne. Um, there was something that happened there that like just blew up like my second day on staff, it seemed like. Um, and it was not a good situation. What, what was your 
role supposed to be? Uh, middle school pastor. Oh. Um, so I was super excited because I was yeah. about to like learn from someone else, like be led, be mentored. That person was great. There was a lot happening with the church that was unhealthy at the time. And so that was pretty short-lived for me. I was there for that season um, and I was trying to be present, but then I came back to the pool. Columbia City is also what I love. Yeah. <laughs> like Whitley County is what I love. And so it was really hard for me to be present there because I just always loved Columbia City. That's where I felt like I wanted to be to pour into the community I grew up in. So came back to the pool as an aquatics director, knew nothing about swimming. Uh, but I had didn't a even know how to swim. Didn't even really know how to swim. I was a doggy <laughs> no, paddler. I was a doggy Wait, paddler. I was joking. You don't I mean, know how to swim? No, I know how to swim. Okay. <laughs> but like growing up, I was a doggy paddler. Did you get certified? Do what? Oh yeah, I got yeah, certified. Yeah, okay. By the grace it, of by the grace of God. To be honest, it really didn't take much. No, and that's no, no, no. really scary. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. No, by the grace of God, I got I got lifeguard certified. <laughs> uh, but that was that was cool. I mean, it was a, a different it was a different ministry opportunity with you're in and out with people in life every single day. Yeah, like for six, seven, eight hours, whatever it is. What's what's your favorite? And most challenging pool moment. Favorite and most challenging. I think a lot of people listening moment. to this might have worked under you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Favorite and most challenging. I think the most challenging thing was trying to figure out how to lead a lot of different people and create like a positive culture for a bunch of high school students who come from different backgrounds, different sports, yeah. different whatever. I thought it, that was probably the most challenging thing is to build an like atmosphere, a, a culture yeah. that was positive for people. Because again, people are broken, right? That's the reality that we know. And so, yeah, I think that was really challenging. And also my heart has always been ministry and like sharing the gospel with people. And so you got to figure out like strategic and unique ways to be able to do that in a setting like that. Mm -hmm. um, and that was really challenging for me at times too. Cause it's like some days I just wanted to like, I just want you to know about Jesus. Like, I just want you to know that there's a God that loves you, that sees you, that has a plan for your life. And so that got challenging at times. And I did that at times too. Yeah. But you had, you couldn't just every day go in and like, you know, like, Hey, you all need to start following Jesus. It was a, a relational like ministry and figuring out how to do that in ways and being Holy Spirit led, right? Being led mm -hmm. by the Holy Spirit because it's not about what I want to do, but what the Holy Spirit wants to do through me. Um, so yeah, that was probably the challenges. Um, the best thing, are you talking like specific memory or, yeah, like, or like a good memory or your favorite thing to do? Or? My favorite thing about working at the pool, honestly, was lifeguards would come in for a break every 15 minutes and I would sit there and talk to them about their life. Yeah. That was honestly the best part about working at the pool is like, you're just getting to know people and their life every single day. And also like work isn't always fun. <laughs> and so to be there to like encourage lifeguards, like even when they're having a bad day, like, Hey, how's your day going? Like what's things going on in your life? How, how can I encourage you basically and serve you? Mm -hmm. Like, that's how I see leadership is like, how can I come alongside you and serve you? So I thought that was really cool. Um, I really liked the, uh, after, after the pool closed hangouts with the lifeguards where we Dude. would go down the slides and stuff and do probably, slow races, probably some things that were a little <laughs> questionable from a safety standpoint, <laughs> but it was an awesome time. It was a blast. It happened. It did happen. Sorry about it. Yeah. It's, it's in the past, I guess. What's the most questionable thing that we ever did? Yeah. Uh, when we had about a 12-person 
like grab the ankle of the person in front of you going down the slide together. <laughs> that was probably the most questionable thing. Or there was a time, this was not something that was acceptable or that I would allow, but someone jumped off the high lifeguard chair in the shallow end of the pool. That was questionable. What? But I had to, I had to yell at them for that one. On so. like during the pool it was, hours? It, no, no, no. It was after pool hours. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I just look out of the window and I see a, a high schooler jumping off of the tall chair in the shallow end of the pool. So you know the that was not acceptable though. That was not something I allowed. The vortex. Uh huh. I don't believe this was under your management. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> but some individuals um, would like try to jump and land on the center. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't think that was under me, but I was an assistant manager for a couple years. Yes. And I think it was during that time. Yeah. I think you were there. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was always a challenge. It would hurt your feet though. Oh, for sure. Yeah. How do you know? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just some lifeguards tried that. Some of them. I wasn't the only one yeah, that yeah, tried yeah. it. But yeah. like, can you say that on the internet? I don't know. What? That you broke a pool rule? I don't <laughs> I mean, I don't know if there's I think any you're, I think you're good. I don't, I don't, I don't know don't, if there's any consequence for that now. I don't think I don't they know. have authority yeah. on you anymore. And I'm, I'm not saying to go do it. Right. Please don't. Right. It's don't stupid. do it. It's actually yeah. not a good idea. It's a horrible idea. You could yeah. really get hurt. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it, it did happen. <laughs> Zach, have you ever ran at a pool? Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now Zach's under blast. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, kind of. What are some things you're into now? Um, just hobbies, interests. Like, what do you do? Yeah. So uh, one thing I really like doing is traveling and speaking. So I speak at youth retreats, camps. Uh, I don't know. I've done men's retreats. I've preached at a lot of different churches. So whenever someone asks me, I pretty much say yes. It's a little different now that I'm married because I can't just say yes every time. I got to take a second person into consideration, but so has that, far... Has that got you in trouble yet? Not yet, because okay. I always ask her first before I respond to someone. And for the most part, she knows that's a part of like who I am. It was part of it's the a, gig. Yeah, yeah, it's a part of our ministry together now. Like She is so good at being supportive. She's so good at like connecting with students while we're at those types of things. And so it's kind of a fun... Like I'm the speaker, but she's the one connecting to some of the girls like that are there um and yeah just pouring into them so that's something we really like we like just going to national parks um so we have uh it's like a wooden sign and you put these little trees in every time you go to a national park um so we like that we travel hack i don't know if you're familiar with travel hacking travel hack yeah travel hack like tiktoks uh they might have it on tiktok um but basically we took like a class that someone told us about um, and so we jumped on, it's like a three and a half, four hour class that teaches you how to basically, some people might frown upon it. I don't know. I think it's okay as long as you're doing it in a, a natural spending way, but you basically get a lot of credit card bonuses. And so it's a process. It's a process of like taking, here's a credit card that you just took out and you hit the spend bonus through your natural spending, right? Make sure you have the money to pay it off ahead of time. 
And then you like, there's all these different rules to it, but it doesn't hurt your credit if you take out credit cards in certain times. And so then you take out a credit card later and then you close this credit card and then you hit the next bonus. And so we have a bunch of points like racked up already through travel hacking because we had our wedding. So we were already spending on that. That sounds dangerous. So then we hit the bonuses. That sounds like fraud. It's, it, is, uh, it, is maybe, it is maybe a little dangerous, but we like to live on the edge a little bit. Yeah, um, I'm not going to be doing yeah. that. But, but no, hey. I mean, it's all through natural spending. It's all through natural spending. We don't spend, because it makes no sense to spend extra to get bonus <laughs> points. You might as well just use your money. So it's all through natural spending. We just hit credit card bonuses. Like, and that's fair. Yeah. But. So like if we have a, a dentist like appointment and we have to pay for it, we get like an HRA. So we pay for it and then we get reimbursed. So we just put that on a credit card and hit a bonus. And then we get reimbursed for it and then use that money to pay the credit card. So there's all kinds of things to it. But Yeah, you, I won't be joining, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can stick to that one. Yeah. yeah. Sarah's really smart, so she's really good at that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah. Um, what kind of things? Like we played some 2K one time. Oh, yeah. 2K is like, man, if there's someone in Whitley County that can beat me at 2K, just like some people play online a lot. I don't yeah. really do that as much. But if we're talking like I'm playing with the Indiana Pacers and you play with anyone else, I feel like I have a pretty good chance of beating you. No, and so. like back in high school, I was on a 2K grind. Like mm-hmm. that's all I would do on my free time. And I, you know, it's like, oh, I play my career all the time. I yeah. Could, I could cook you. And yeah. I got cooked. So. <laughs> I played 2K since 2K3 with Allen Iverson on the case. Yeah. On GameCube. And I've gotten 2K every year since. That it's, do you have 24? I do. Really? Yeah. Is it good? Uh, I haven't played it a lot yet. It's harder to play when you're married. <laughs> um, but me and my brother play a lot of 2K. So we haven't really played it a whole lot yet. But hmm. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and Toy Story is a fa- oh. uh, fascination. Uh, is that- I love Toy Story. Big fan. Yeah. yeah. Me and Toy Story have a lot of things in common. Um, it came out the year I was born. Um, the year I was going off to college was Toy Story 3 when Andy was going off to college. Uh, so it's basically about you. It's literally, it's, it's my story. Um, <laughs> and so, <laughs> no, I, I do love Toy Story though. I love it. I think it's awesome. So yeah, big fan of that. Uh, I, I love playing board games. Catan? Um, I do like Catan. Yes. Yeah. I like, I like board games. Uh, Forbidden Island. Big fan of Forbidden Island. Um, trying to think what else we play. I don't know. Me and Sarah both like board games a lot. But yeah, traveling, board games. I like spending time with people. Traveling and speaking, though, the combination of those two things is like the greatest thing. Yeah. I just love it. And now doing it with Sarah is like a lot of fun. You did barely camp this summer for a week. I did. How was that? It was good. Uh, the theme was Living Water. Um, so a lot of water stories. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Like walking on water. Uh, no, I did. No. The the classic woman at the well. Uh, I did Isaac when he redigs the wells. Okay. Um, what you else did. did I do? Talk about walking on water. No. Nah. No. I didn't do that one. Is that too basic? Or? Uh, a little bit. Oh. Okay. No. The woman in the well at the well is pretty basic too, though. I don't know. My thing is, I like taking stories, actually, that a lot of people have heard before, and then, like, 
trying to find a new way to help bring them back to the gospel and like Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I don't know the story of Zacchaeus, like he's in a tree, he's observing Jesus from a distance, right? Mm-hmm. Cause he climbs up in the tree. He's like, I want to see a little bit of who this guy is, but he doesn't get a lot because he's observing from a distance. And then Jesus is like Zacchaeus. He calls him by name, right? Tells him to come down out of the tree because I want to come over to your house today. Mm-hmm. And it's this idea of like a lot of people observe Jesus from a distance, right? They observe him through social media, scrolling through TikTok, watching pastors, watching pod or listening to podcasts, whatever it is, <laughs> right? Uh, people are doing all these things, observing through a youth pastor, through through their pastor, yeah. through a leader, whatever it is. Um, but Jesus is calling you by name and saying, I want to come over to your house or into your life and have a relationship with you. And then it's when Jesus goes and has this relationship with Zacchaeus that then he becomes transformed and changed. And then we see his life is different afterwards. Mm-hmm. And so just taking stories like that, like Zacchaeus has talked about a lot, I feel like growing up when I was in the church. And so taking that story and then trying to like bring that back to the gospel and bring it back to Jesus. That's what I like to do. So I tried doing that with some of the water stories this summer. Uh, okay. Yeah. What are some books or studies you're going through recently? Yeah, I could. Oh, I could nerd out on this for a while. Uh, so this last weekend, I did a retreat um, over Warzone. The theme was Warzone, uh, like the video game. What for real? Yeah, that was the theme. Uh, it was a Warzone retreat. It, well, it was a theme oh, of okay. Warzone for a youth retreat. Yeah. <laughs> Super interesting. Uh, But basically the idea was, I mean, I just kind of ran with the theme because I didn't give a whole lot of direction, but it was um, like the reality is the world that we live in is a battle every day. Um, We're in a war zone and there is a battle that's going on that maybe we don't even see necessarily Mm -hmm. because it's happening in a, a world beyond us. But when we take a closer look at Jesus and what he has for our lives, we can see that there's these battles taking place. And so I did a lot of different battle stories. I did Jeremiah. Uh, So Jeremiah is like in prison. Uh, He is in prison because he's talked out about about his own people and how like he gets a message from the Lord saying that their king is going to be overtaken and their city is going to be overtaken. And so... Uh, their king's mad and he puts him in prison because he's speaking out against him, but it's a message coming from the Lord. And so then the Lord tells him that his cousin is going to come and offer him a piece of property to buy in Antioch. Antioch at that point, like the Babylonians are overtaking the city. They've already overtaken this piece of land. So again, Jeremiah's in prison. Babylonians coming to take over the city. They've already taken over Antioch and God tells them to go and buy this land that's in Antioch. Makes no sense, right? Okay. Like, it makes absolutely no sense to purchase land that the enemy's already overtaken. Yeah. So Jeremiah buys the land. He gets the deed signed. He has a sealed copy, an unsealed copy. He gets witnesses. He goes through every step of the process in obedience to what God called him to do. So Jeremiah purchases the land, goes through all these steps, and then they put it in a, a jar to which at that point would be like a time capsule for them. Like you put something in it to preserve it for a later time. So that's what they would do to preserve things. They put it in these jars. So he puts it in the jar for a later time. And the reason he did that is because at the end of the story, God talks about how someday people are going to purchase land in Israel again, and he's going to reign again in Israel. So even though the enemy's overtaking it now, someday God's going to reign again. And so just this, like the world we live in, 
it feels dark. It feels chaotic at times. It feels hopeless at times, depending on who you are and what's going on. When we scroll and see all these negative things around us, it feels really hopeless. But like, where are we taking back ground in our own lives where we're struggling? Where are we taking back ground in the dark world with the light of Jesus and the gospel of Jesus, right? And then someday it's trusting, Jeremiah trusts that someday in like blind basically blind faith. Like he doesn't know what the future is going to hold or if God's actually going to do that, but he's trusting and being obedient because he trusts God and has faith in him that God's going to reign again someday. And so we believe that Jesus is going to come back again someday and God's going to reign again. So it's this whole story of like, but right now we're in the dark and hopeless and chaotic. Where are we going to purchase land even though it makes no sense, right? Where are we going to try to take back? Like we have a lot of struggles in our own lives. Where is Satan attacking and he's actually defeating us a little bit where are we taking background in our life so that's kind of what the idea was is like there's all these battles taking place and so how do we connect those back to jesus first but then also how do they relate to the life we're living today and what's happening in the world around us um but ultimately like pointing people back to jesus through that so yeah i've been doing jeremiah david when the philistines come to like the philistines want to come attack him when he becomes king. And so then uh, he, he goes to his stronghold. So a stronghold is a place where the enemy can't get in. It's like a place where it's like a fortress. Um, and so he goes back to that and he asks God what he should do, right? So he's spending time asking God what he should do. And then when he does that, uh, God tells him to attack the Philistines. So he attacks the Philistines. Then the Philistines are going to attack again, and so he goes back to the Lord again. He's like, what should I do? And this time, the Lord gives him a different um, direction, and he says, once you hear the rustling in the poplar trees above you that sounds like footsteps, advance quickly. So it's like this story of the same situation and scenario. Both times David goes to God and asks him for direction, right? It's spending time seeking God and his wisdom. The second time, it's like, once you hear the rustling in the trees, and I think a lot of people like want to go and lead themselves. And it, this is a story in the second part of this where it's like, wait for the Lord to move and then advance quickly. Like, follow behind the Lord. The Lord's running out in front of you. Follow behind the Lord. Um, and so, again, always seeking God. That's what David does. He seeks God and seeks his wisdom and direction. So it doesn't mean we just sit back and do nothing. But like then wait for the Lord to move out front and then advance quickly behind him because we're following the Holy Spirit and God and what he wants for us. So, yeah, just studying different stories like that, battles. There's some crazy stories in the Bible of yeah. battles like Ahab who like disguises himself. So uh, they won't know who he is because the other the enemy is going to come and they just want to focus on killing him. So he disguises himself, but then he accidentally gets hit by a stray arrow and like ends up dying anyways. It's crazy. It's a crazy story. Uh, like uh, Elisha gets surrounded and then there's uh, chariots and horses that are surrounding him. And all of a sudden he tells his servant who's like freaking out that this is happening. To He prays and asks God to open his eyes so he's, he's not blind anymore to see that they have horses and chariots that are on fire, like the army of God. Um, I don't know. That's just crazy. The different yeah. battle stories. So that's what I've been studying a lot recently. A lot, a lot different than battles now. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. You get on Twitter and yeah, <laughs> yeah. send missiles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, just a lot of battle stuff, really. Yeah. Because I do think we're, I don't know. There's a battle going on every day. Yeah. Like 
what does it look like to take back ground um, in Christ? So, yeah. And newsflash, the battle is already won. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. What side do you want to be on? Right. <laughs> right. I want to win. Yeah. But, hey, to each yeah. their own, I guess. Right. <laughs> but cool. Um, you touched a little bit on traveling. Um, mm-hmm. Not sure if you know this question is coming or not. Um, but we each, we, whoa. We, we ask, ask every guest the same ending question, which is what is your dream vacation? Oh, dream vacation. And there's no limitations no limitations honestly this is tough what i think would be so cool is to take a trip to alaska drive or fly fly okay i want to take a like one of those little hopper planes or float planes okay Mm -hmm. it's called uh it's like katmai or katmi i don't know um but it's where a bunch of grizzly bears fish for salmon in the river I think that would be super cool. And then are you, to are you hunting or no? Watching? Just I just want to watch. Oh, okay. I want to get a big old camera, <laughs> and I just want to take a lot of cool pictures of grizzly bears catching salmon in the river. And then I would do dog sledding, if I mm. could. Hmm. Um, that's what that's what my dream vacation would be. And Northern Lights. Yes, I mean all of that stuff that comes with Alaska, and oh, I think that would be amazing. So yeah, that's sick. Yeah. Who are you going with? Sarah, all day. Okay. Yeah, all day. Good answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's got to do all the travel hacking so I can afford to oh go. Oh, my god! Uh, no, there is, you don't have to travel yeah, hack. No travel hacking in our... <laughs> uh, no. It's been fun. Thank you uh, for coming on and yeah. sharing all of this. We appreciate it. Do you have any thoughts or anything you want to end with? or? Uh, I think just... I don't know. My heart is... I always use this analogy for a lot of things, but like the automatic doors at Walmart, like one day I'm sitting in the Walmart parking lot. I see multiple. I'm just like people watching, which feels a little creepy. It does. Um, it does. But I'm people watching and I just see person after person after person walk through the doors. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter what they look like. doesn't matter what they struggle with. doesn't matter where they come from. Automatically, the doors open and close every single time. The only doors that don't open are broken ones which are which is people and so when i look at that picture i see jesus automatically he loves and accepts everybody who comes through the doors but on the other side of those doors he wants to change and transform your life and so like i don't know i just use that analogy a lot because i want people to know that god loves them that he accepts them but he also on the other side of those doors once he once he pursues you you experience this love and acceptance He wants a relationship with you that's going to change and transform your life. He wants you to repent of the sin that's in your life, right? That's why Jesus died. That's why he rose again, so that we could experience an eternity in heaven to be freed from sin. So he loves and accepts us, right? He shows us grace and he shows us mercy. On the other side of the doors, he wants to change and transform your life. If you have a relationship with Jesus and you're following him, like your life should look different than it did before you started following him. And... Um, I just think that 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 picture for me is like the gospel, like Jesus loves and accepts you. But on the other side of the doors, he wants you to repent and turn from sin. But he really he wants to free you from that sin. That's why he came into the world Um, and he wants to change and transform your life. And so that's what I just want people to hear. Um, If you don't hear anything else from what we just talked about, um, I just want people to know there's a God that loves you, that sees you, that has a plan for your life. 
Um, and I think that's why Jesus died is so that we could experience freedom from sin and yeah. so that we could spend an eternity uh, with our Father in heaven. So, yeah, if people don't hear anything else, that's what I feel like that's the most important message no. for, for me. So. That's, yeah, definitely the most important yeah. message. Yeah. Who cares who we are if, you know, they can know who God is. So. Right. 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 And hopefully they see it through us. But yeah. 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 And just thank you guys for what you're doing. I think this is really cool just to, yeah, I think we need more of this where people are getting to hear people's stories, to hear what God's mm-hmm. been doing in their life and what's happening in the community. So who's yeah. someone you would like to hear from? Ooh, someone I would like to hear from. That's a good question. You know who I actually think I would like to hear from, but I don't actually know him that well. Okay. Dave Wyringa. He's been on. Has he? Yeah. Oh, I haven't heard that one. We'll send you a link. Do yeah. what? We'll send you a link. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know he had been on. Yeah. Dave Wyringa. I'm trying to think of someone else that could be new. Brady Mullet. Oh. Brady Mullet would be awesome. He'd be good. Um, yeah. I don't know. There's quite a few different people I think would be good, but. Yeah. And it helps Brady. when when our guests and also listeners, you know, kind of, if you know Brady, be like, hey, you should check it out. and. Mm-hmm. and they would love to have you. So yeah. definitely be in their ear. And if you know Kevin Eames, get in his ear too. Yeah, yeah Kevin no Eames. <laughs> try, oh, try to get a hold of that man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's a busy guy. He is. I like. I love Kevin Eames. Yes. He's great. No, of course. Well, thank you for coming on. Listeners, viewers, thank you. We appreciate it. And we just want to grow this community, but also glorify God and maybe lead some people to him in that process. Um, So thank you very much. We appreciate it. And we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace. Peace.